The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Guys, let's give a warm welcome to our speaker today, Jake Sellers. Can you hear me now? Verizon, baby. You guys, I'm so honored to be here. I feel like this is already like a home away from home. Really appreciate all the hospitality, all the love you guys give. Um, I do want to tell you guys, I know hundreds of pastors. I, I, man, I see them in the green room. Most of them aren't who they are. And your guys' pastor is the real deal. He really is. I've called him on a whim. And he has opened up the facility on a whim to help me minister to people I know who don't even go to this church. He's teamed up with me. He's ministered with me. Like, this guy is really about Jesus and what Jesus wants to do in anybody's life. Yours and people who don't even go here. And I can testify to that. And that's just one of the main reasons why I love Steve. And uh, and you guys should too. Uh, honor, honor Steve for sure. Um, and then your guys' dream teams, your guys' volunteer base, man. You guys are killing it. Like, dude, man, every church wishes to have volunteers like you guys have here. And you guys make all the difference in the world because you guys already slap in the hearts of everybody who walks in here to receive a message that myself or Steve or anybody else might have who's speaking. So really grateful to the volunteer base here. You guys are awesome. Um, yeah, so I just want to start out and tell you guys a story. Tell you guys a story about a guy I used to know one time. This guy, he, uh, he had never been to church. He had never been told about Jesus. He was, he was just a horrible person. He just really was a horrible person. I mean, he was highly abused as a child. And you know the story. Hurt people, they hurt people. And he just took that to a whole nother level. I mean, you know, got involved in gangs at the right time. And drugs and became a gang leader. And was in and out of prison his whole life. And, you know, long story short, I mean... This guy, he just was bloodthirsty. He was extremely, extremely violent. Like most people take, you know, martial arts and stuff for self-defense. He became a third degree black belt in, ta- uh, uh, in kickboxing for offense, just to strictly just attack you out of no reason. And then, you know, throw on a 250 pound frame of pure muscle on top of that. And it just got crazy. And this guy was just super dangerous. People in the city were scared of him, all that jazz. And, uh, after 10 years in prison, he found himself with three life sentences. And he used to love prison. He loved everything about it. He, was a, he, let, he ran the prisons. He loved prison. But all of a sudden, these three life sentences were just enough for him to just be hit with regret. And it was enough. They put him in a super maximum security facility for the worst of the worst. And when I say worst of the worst, I mean there was only 21 people in the entire state that qualified for this unit. And he was one of them. Yay, right? Like, good job, buddy. You know? You're one of the top 21 dirtbags on the planet. You know, like... So there he was, three life sentences. Once a week, someone was hanging themselves back there. And the cops would drag out the dead bodies and laugh. Oh, another one broke weak, got another one. Who's next, gentlemen? Like, it was crazy, you know? And, uh, and after a while, this guy, he started getting consumed with the thought of suicide. And he would pace a cell every day saying, man, don't kill yourself yet. Don't kill yourself yet. Don't kill yourself yet. 
And after about three months of resisting that, he broke. And he ripped up his sheet and he made a noose. And he hooked it up on his door header. And he went to put his neck in it. And for the first time in his life, he fell to his knees and he said a prayer. And his exact prayer was, Lord, please save my life. Get me out of the cell. Put me back in general population around other people. Never to see the cell again. And because of a bookmark he saw 20 years earlier that said, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen. He ended his prayer with that, with that phrase. Now, when I stood up off of that cell floor, I didn't know that I had become a new creation. I didn't know that my life had totally changed. I didn't know that I had done what's called giving my life to Christ. I had been saved. I I didn't know any of those things. So all I thought at that moment was, you know what? If any of that's real, I'm going to give it 24 hours. If nothing happens, I'm going to kill myself. So I went to sleep with that noose that night. And the next morning, a guard comes to my door and says, hey, sellers. Put on all your shackles and your handcuffs and everything. You're going to court. I'm going to court. I didn't file nothing. I didn't do anything. I didn't even have a court date. I get to the courtroom. I'm sitting in the courtroom thinking about how my life is completely wrecked and ruined. I'm thinking about that noose that's in that cell. And all of a sudden, my lawyer comes running in. He comes running right up to me. He says, I don't know what happened. You must be the luckiest man alive. They're willing to dismiss everything if you just sign this deal. And that deal was for 15 more years. I had already done 10. And I thought, okay, I'm 30. I'll be out by the time I'm 45. Man, run that, you know. Sign that deal as fast as I could. Got back to my cell and right before the guard shut the door. And here's the funny thing. I didn't even think of my prayer up until this point. It wasn't until the guard shut the door that he said, hey, by the way, gather all your things. You're getting transferred to general population. That I remembered my prayer and I broke and I started weeping. And the guard's looking at me. He started crying. He goes, dude, what's wrong? He starts wiping his eyes. I said, who put in that transfer? Who put in for me to be transferred? Because you got to understand, I was so high level. I mean, it was a detective in charge of terrorism that had me put in there. I was never supposed to leave that unit. And I said, who put me in for a transfer? He said, I don't know, man. Your name just came up. And I thought, Jesus, I prayed to Jesus. And when I got to the unit and I... And everybody's like, hey, Big Jake, what's up? I said, no, 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 no. Who has a Bible? They're like, what? I'm like, who has a Bible, dude? I start reading the word of God every day. I would read it for 10, 14 hours a day. Totally just renewing my mind because I knew I was a psycho, so I couldn't trust my own thoughts. So I'm like, okay, I'm thinking this, but what does he say? Oh, wow. Do that? Whoa, didn't think of that, you know? But it was easy for me because I knew everything was wrong here and everything was probably better in that book. So it was easy for me. Some of you guys think you already know something and that's the problem. And so you don't listen to the word of God and you try and do it your own way. And then you keep messing up, messing up, messing up and you're in the cycle and you don't know why. And it's because you don't trust the word. I had no choice but to trust the word. My life depended on it. 
It's funny because God sent me to five different prisons. And every prison I went to, I'd ask the warden, hey, can I start a, can I start a church here? You know, in California, they got level four yards. This would have been like a level five yard. <laughs> you know, this was super maxed out yard. And I'd say, hey, can I start a church here? And he'd say, man, you know they're going to kill you. And I'd say, perfect. <laughs> because blessed is he who is persecuted for my name's sake. Because in that day, rejoice and jump for joy. Hallelujah. I'd pull up to a yard and every gang would come up to you. You know, hey man, where are you from? I'd be like, I run with Jesus. Hoping someone would get funky with me. Because boy, I'm about to be blessed. I'm about to be blessed. If you hate on me because of Jesus, I'm about to be blessed. It's a guarantee. Store my treasure up in heaven, boy. I'm going to be rich. You know, I'm so happy. And it's funny because a third of every prison would end up coming to the Lord. And some prisons had 10,000 people. I mean, we'd have mega churches inside of a prison. We'd have services. We'd have eight services over the weekend, 3,000 men coming. We'd have 40 people hitting altar call every single Sunday. I worked in the laundry room and we had these tubs that we would use for, for laundry, for all the bags to get stacked. And I would clean them out and I'd fill them up with water and put a sheet over it and hide it. And when guys would come to the back with their laundry bags, some of them would really have their shower shoes and an extra pair of shorts in there. And when the guards weren't looking, we'd sneak them to the back and do secret baptisms. Pretty soon the favor of God fell on us so much that guards would let us out at night into the gym, the Christian community. Which is a big no-no, <laughs> right? Threat to the security of the institution, for sure. But they would do it because they believed in Jesus. And they would keep point for the other guards. And they would bring in the movie Passion of the Christ. And they'd let us all watch it on the bleachers. And then we'd be able to have our own baptism ceremonies freely right there. Hunter guys get baptized right there in that same laundry bucket, of course. But, you know, God said any water, right? Not just the magic water. He said, even water on the side of the road in Acts, right? You guys just read that. I won't even push Acts on you right now. (laughs) You guys will leave. You know what I mean? We're out, you know. Uh, And it's funny because uh, so many things happened. So much good took place. We saw so many miracles in there. And my mind was getting fully transformed. And then my favorite part is a year before going home, I I I, I was walking through the cafeteria And as I'm walking through the line to get my food, this guy is sitting right here eating. And I've known him for 25 years. I mean, this guy is committing crimes in prison. You know what I mean? He's he's always in trouble. He's constantly getting in trouble. And but I've known him and I've told him about Jesus a million times. He doesn't want to hear it. And all of a sudden he looks at me. He goes, hey, Jake, write a letter. I said, dude, I'm not writing anybody, you know, I'm not going to be connected to you. I'm about to go home in a year. So I get over to get my water and I feel like the Holy Spirit said, what if it's someone who's suicidal? What if it's someone who needs encouragement? So I said, dang, all right. I just wrote out real quick what God did in my life. Just briefly what I just shared. I I wrote that out and I mailed it out. Now, the flip side to that coin is this this woman. She had been married for 15 years, freshly divorced, two small kids, never even talked to a guy with tattoos Never even talked to a guy who was a criminal like that. But she had a sister who was a thug. And she used to like to write thugs who were in prison, pen pal them. And so she was writing this thug. And they decided to have someone write her a letter, probably to ruin her life. Right? Normally, that would be a bad situation. 
But he asked me to write the letter of all the people in the prison. And I just wrote out my story about the Lord. And when she got the letter, she did the most beautiful thing when she got it. She threw it right in the trash. (laughs) And she was like, told her sister, dude, I'm not like you. I don't write dudes in prison. Are you kidding me? I'm going through a divorce. My life's a mess. Her sister said, it's a person, dude. Let's just read it. Just at least take the time to see what it says. So she opens it up and she reads the letter and she starts crying. Because my story is like her father's. When her father was 19 years old. He is about to get his life thrown away in prison. And he cried out to God and he said, if you save me, I will serve you all the days of my life. And he meant it. Because the next day charges were dropped. And he's been a pastor now for 56 years. Has his own church in San Jose. And of course that girl's my wife sitting right here. Hallelujah. Come on. Make sure you say hi to her when she's walking around. Um, and, it's, and it's amazing, right? I mean, the things God can do are amazing. I mean, I remember my first time out of prison. I, had to, I, I thought to myself, you know, she's working. I didn't even know what she did for a living, what she made. I didn't know anything. So I'm just like, hey, uh, when should I get a job and like start helping? Like, she's like, dude, no. Like you were made for ministry. I was like, well, how much do like pastors make? Like what, what is minute? Like your dad's been a pastor forever. Like, like ballpark. What do we, what, what would be enough for me to say yes to pastoring full time? And she's like, I don't know if you could cover like our phone bills or something. Like I would say 500 bucks a month. I'm like, okay, cool. I said, well, you know what? Let's just pray right now. And we held hands that morning. It's about 1045 in the morning. We're already going to a local church up the street. It's in Carlsbad. And we, we went ahead and I, 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 we said a prayer. I said, Lord, you saved me for such a day as this. I only want to work for you. Jesus, you hire me. You know who I am. I want to work with you and for you and only you. And we said that prayer at about 1045. And I'm telling you, within an hour, I got a call from the pastor of that church. And this dude is the most antisocial person you know. He'll preach a sermon. Boom. He's right out the back door, green room, run into his car. Out. He's not like Steve. Steve's like, no, this dude's out. So when he calls me, I'm like, okay. And he's like, hey, come to my office. I'm like, okay. I go to his office and we're just awkwardly staring at each other. And he says... What's it going to take to get you to work for us? I said, $500 a month. <laughs> and he was like, dude, you really shot yourself low. Let me, I'll give you a real number and we'll go from there. And, and you know, we had a great time. We, we, you know, we pastored that church. I was associate pastor there for two years. And then, and then I remember we're at a conference in LA and all these you know, big names, Bill Johnson, all these people, they're all preaching and we're listening to worship. And by now I'm, I'm like, I'm delivering stuff to orphanages in Mexico. And we're just, we're in it, right? We're just doing all kinds of stuff. And, and all of a sudden we're in worship and I see this valley that we used to drive by in Mexico. And I see this valley in a vision in my mind. And I hear the Lord say, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And I knew he was telling me, to move to Mexico. I knew it. It was a knowing in my heart. 
And I looked over at my wife and I said, hey, we're about to leave everything and move to Tijuana. And she goes, what? (laughs) I said, God just spoke to me, dude. She said, are you sure it was God? (laughs) You you swear it, pinky promise. You swear it was God? I said, yeah, man. And my wife being as awesome as she is, within 30 days, we left everything. We left everything. Secure, financial security. Everybody we knew told us not to do it. The church I was a part of did not send us. They did not fund us. They did not approve of it. And we didn't know anybody. We didn't know what we were going to do over there. She's like, well, what are we going to do over there? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> How are we going to pay for it? I don't know. It's going to be awesome though. It's going to be so good. She's like, who's going to protect my kids? I'm like, I'll try And we went over there and the most amazing things happened. We got connected with government and underground ministries. And and they asked us if we could help them with cases that were too horrible to talk about. Stuff they didn't even put on the books. I mean, four-year-olds, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds being tortured every day. And my wife and I, we would go and we would rescue them. And it's funny because I would go in to get them and my wife would be in the car waiting. She's my getaway driver. Hallelujah. <laughs> and it was so easy. Weep, weep, that easy. Hey, guess no bad guys are here. You know? And we ended up helping and rescuing 24 people. We rescued a baby, an eight-month-old baby that had only, it was 10 pounds. It had only eaten chocolate and Cheetos its entire existence. We rescued that baby and washed it off. And on the streets, the baby's name was Irene. But then when we got the baby's papers, we found out the baby's name was Light. It's amazing what God can do when you say yes. When you just say yes. When you say, you know what, okay, I may not be able to change the world, but I could change somebody's world. I could change at least the world around me. I share that with you because I know when I share these things, you're going to sit there and you're going to say, man, that's amazing. Wow. They are so special. Wow. How anointed are they? Wow, God has a big calling on them. And I'm here to tell you that's a cop-out. That is a cop-out. That's a cop-out so that you don't have to do something great. God is not a respecter of man or women. What he'll do for me, he'll do for any one of you. The Bible says it. He'll do it for any one of you. Even when you see a, you know, you see Michael Jordan. Man, he's the best. Look at that guy. He's so gifted. He's this, he's that, it. Uh... No, he just gave it everything he had since he was eight years old. And now he's 150. So he's super good at dunking, dude. Like he earned that. He outworked everybody. If any one of you did that with the same passion in your heart, day in and day out, you'd be the greatest too. Greatness is on every single one of you. Stop copping out and saying, that's them. That's them. That's them. No, it's you. All of you got it. You have the spirit of God in you. You come from an ancient lineage. Nothing can stop you if you tap into it. You could be invincible. 
A big shift for me happened when I learned the difference between praise and worship. They're different. They're a little bit different. Praise and worship are different. Jesus says, God is looking for the true worshiper. Okay? The true worshiper. Well, when you read that in the Greek, that word worshiper actually translates literally to kiss. Super weird, right? Jesus is looking for the true kisser. (laughs) Bible just got weird. But let me explain. In the Greek, in the Hebrew, you could be very specific. I could say this Greek word and it means like a husband kissing a wife. I could say this Greek word and it means like a daughter kissing the daddy's cheek. I could, like, so you could be very specific in this. And that word kiss that Jesus used literally means like a dog licking the master's hand. Right? You ever walk in? I, I got a baby pit bull right now. It's like, it's like God, you get this thing off of me, dude. Right? It's spastic. It's a freak. Right? But that's the freak God's looking for, right? He wants you to be excited like that for him. He wants you to be like, Jesus, 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 right? Woo! Come on, Lord. And I remember when he really brought that to life in my life. I was standing in the middle of that church that I was pastoring at. And that church was very corporate. Business. I'm a businessman. I'm a professional. I'm I'm the president of something. And I'm the president of something. And there's a thousand of these. Nobody moves during worship. I mean, the worship team was off the hook. I mean, your hair's blown back. You're like, what? And they're just like. No clapping. Like, I think there's a rule. If you clap, you lose. It was like. So all of a sudden. I'm standing there, right? They even got me influenced. I'm like, oh, I guess what? Oh, sorry. <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear God say, didn't I say like a dog licking the master's hand? And I'm like, oh my God, no. <laughs> and he's like, didn't I say like a dog licking the master's hand? I'm like, please, not right here, right now. I'll do it in the bathroom later <laughs> during shower. And he says, didn't I say like a dog licking the master's hand? And right there, I just broke. I ran all through that church. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Whoa. You saved my life. Come on, God. You are good. And everybody else was like, do we do it too? Do we do what's going on? But I had a rage in my spirit. I had vibration going on in me. To where if I had prayed for you, I could have went to a funeral parlor and just started raising the dead. Up, 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 up. Everybody's up. No one dies today. It changed something in me. And I learned praise is saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my life. Thank you for everything you do for me. Thank you for my job. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I have a vehicle, Lord. I praise you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. That's praise. Right. But worship is deeper. Worship says Even if I didn't even have a home, even if I had no car, even if I was all alone without any shoes, I would praise your name. I would still give you thanks because you are good regardless of my circumstances. This life is but a vapor. It means nothing to me. I'm here to serve you and whatever that looks like, I'm in. 
And that's worship. That's worship. It's deeper than that. And once you get there, once you get deep inside of the worship, where you're truly surrendered and you don't longer care about what this world says and what they have to offer, miss me with the Jones, I'm here to bring them to the Lord, right? Then all of a sudden, you get real comfortable being uncomfortable. Right? Everybody's afraid to get uncomfortable. Isn't that silly? As adults, if it's not comfortable, we don't do it. No, I'm not comfortable doing that. No. You're like, what? But when kids, could you imagine if we let kids? I'm not going to school. I'm I'm not comfortable there. (laughs) You better go to school. Get in the car. You know, right? Could you imagine what the world would be if no one did anything uncomfortable? Be ridiculous, right? It's like Satan has our country in a satanic lullaby. Stay comfortable. Watch your phone. Relax. Don't look around. Don't look around. Stay comfortable. Forget the news. Can't trust it anyway, so who cares, right? But anyways, St. Political Tuesday. Me and Steve will be having a podcast soon about all that. But You know, one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever had to do, most uncomfortable thing I had to do was... I remember when I got the call from my mom, we were in Mexico, and she said, Jake, your brother Toby went to the hospital, and he has cancer in all of his bones and in his brains. He has three weeks to live. And I thought, man, my brother Toby, he's the toughest man I've ever known. He was as big as a house. He's the number one He was a driver and bodyguard for the number one club owner in the world. He took a double barrel shotgun to the chest one time. Someone shot him. Didn't even drop. His whole chest was scar tissue. This guy was so tough. My brother was the toughest human being I've known. But the thing with my brother is he never believed in God. He would say, oh, bacon is my God. If someone even told him, tried to talk to him about God, he'd say, no, 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 no. When I die, I go in the dirt. Miss me with that. And he's so wonderful of a person, but he just didn't want anything to do with God. So my wife and I, we got in the car and we drove all the way to Las Vegas from Mexico. And I get to the house and my brother's, he's on the couch and he's, he's screaming in pain. The toughest man I've ever known is, ah, ah, and they're like, Jake, can you help him get upstairs to his bed? And I'm like, yes. And it takes two hours because he, he goes from here to here and then throws up for 20 minutes here to here and throws up for 20 minutes. And so it took us two hours for me to get him upstairs to his bed and I get him upstairs to his bed and he's screaming in pain. I'm like, uh, and I know for a fact Without a shadow of a doubt, if I say, Toby, can I pray for you? If I say anything about Jesus, I know he's going to freak out and say, dude, get away from me. I'm in pain. I know he's going to say that. And I'm like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. And I said, Toby, can I pray for you, please? He goes, yes. And I started praying as hard as I ever prayed. I started praying. I'm praying in tongues and everything. And he started getting more. And more relaxed, and he quit screaming, and he quit crying, and he got his breath got calm, 
And once he was calm, I said, Toby, I have to tell you something. I didn't change. Jesus Christ changed me. He came into that cell and he set me free. It wasn't me, it was him. And he wants you to be with him as well. Will you? By now, Priscilla came running up the stairs. My sister came running upstairs. Everybody ran up the stairs. I said, will you please receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he said, yes. And we all prayed. And he received the Lord. And we got home and five days later, early in the morning, I get a call that Toby went to be with the Lord. And I remember at that moment, I just had a vision in my heart. I had a vision of him in heaven looking down saying, I never thought it'd be you. I never thought God could use you. But that's what God does. If you want to know God's whole secret, if you want to know his formula, He likes to take absolutely nothing and turn it into something. He takes the lowly and despised things of the world, the shame, the strong, and the wise. That's what he does. That's his whole formula. He's doing it with me. He's done it with King David. He'll do it with any one of you. So if any of you ever felt less than, beat down, downtrodden, depressed, unworthy, perfect, you're qualified. (laughs) It's you. It's you he could use. He can't use the snob. He can't use the self-righteous. Can't even use those dudes. There's this word that, as Christians, we need to stay away from. This word is why. Why, God? We have to stop using that word. Because why... A lot of times, God knows your deepest fear. He knows what it is. It might be losing a child, losing a family member. It might be losing a brother. It might be a diagnosis. Whatever your biggest fear is, he knows what it is. And sometimes, he'll let it happen. Because he knows that's a hang-up in your life. He knows That is stopping you from going all in. And so sometimes he'll let it happen, but he'll hold your hand and he'll say, Jake, I'm going to let your biggest fear happen, but I'm going to walk you all the way through it. And when you get to the other side of this, you're going to be so much stronger. You're going to be so you're going to be ready to do everything I called you to do. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They don't want to accept that. It's hard to surrender to God. It's hard to surrender to his ways. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They are higher than ours. He doesn't see suffering and pain like we do. I have learned to become a friend of suffering. You know, you hear our story. You hear all these wonderful things. Well, wow, God just teed everything up for this dude. It's easy for him. No, let me tell you something. While I was in prison, all those miracles were happening, all those good things, all those cops were blessing us. I had a cop walk by my cell every single night. And he would knock on my cell door. Sellers. You may have everybody else fooled, but you ain't got me fooled. There's no way a guy like you could ever change. And I'm going to get you. I'm like, awesome. Great. Sounds fun. And one day he did. Because in prison, they could throw you in the hole, solitary confinement. And 
just put you under investigation and leave you there for a year for no reason. And so he took everything I had. He left me with two pair of boxers and my Bible. I had no sheets. I had no blankets. I had nothing. And he left me there for one year. And it was in the mountains of Nevada. Absolutely freezing. And I remember he had come by my cell door and he had mocked me. Every week. I told you I'd get you. Now what? And I'd be so mad. I would be, I would have to cling to the feet of Jesus. I remember laying on that cell floor praying for days straight. And I'd pray like this on my face. As if I was holding on to Jesus' ankles. And I'd just be praying at his feet. And he got me through that. You know, my wife and I, we lost twin baby girls. And that was heartbreaking. But because of our faith in God, we were able to stand there together with holding hands, crying, saying, Lord, we still say thank you. Because we know that one day when we walk through those heaven gates... Two of the most beautiful little girls are going to come running into our arms and call us mommy and daddy. And however, Lord, you decide to minister to us while we are here on this earth, we say yes. Whatever you're doing in me, however you want to develop it, God, because you are good and I will never think different. I know you're good. You can't talk me out of his goodness. You can't have an intellectual conversation and talk me out my faith because I know who I prayed to that night and I know what happened the next day. You guys, we are not called to sit around and take it. We're not. We are called to fight. We are called to fight. We're called to be on the offense, not the defense. Matthew 16, 18 says, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates that's around the city, the gates of hell will not prevail. Gates are used as defense, not offense. No one says, hey, grab the gates. Let's go. Let's rush them. Doesn't happen. The gates are last line of defense. So if the gates of hell will not prevail, that's because we're at the gates tearing them down. That's because we are on the offense. We are on the attack. And what does that look like? How do you attack hell? Right? What's the address? We're pumped up now. Let's go. Right? All together. I don't want to do it alone. Right? What does that look like? It looks like praying more than just when there's a problem. Right? Prayer should be your first response, not your last defense. Right? You should be praying always. You should be praying every red light. I tell all my friends, hey, when you hit a red light, pray for me. That light turns red. Heavenly Father, bless Jake. I'm selfish. Pray for me. I need it. You know, you guys are good people and good enough to just come to church once a week, and that's all you need. I got to be in here seven days a week. I got to be a pastor, and I got to, you know, because my life is that jacked up if I don't. Another way is fellowship. Amen. Fellowship is absolute. You want a storm to get to hell? Get tight with a thousand other Christians. Start prayer chains, prayer groups. Go to the men's ignite yeah. events. 
Go there. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to meet a bunch of dudes you never knew who are all there to know people they never knew. And you guys are all going to exchange numbers. You're all going to become brothers. And when the devil comes and flatlines one of you, you're going to have 30 dudes to call who are going to scrape you off the ground, pick you back up and tell you the word of God. It's going to help you look past the problem into the promise. That's what it does. That's called storming the gates of hell. So when Steve has any event here, flood that place. Don't be shy. Don't. Mm-hmm. Not talking to no one. Everybody's there to meet somebody. Everybody's there for the same reason. Accept that truth and start running through high fiving. Watch how many people high five you back. They're there for that. God is in relationship with himself. Think about it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in unison as one Trinity. They're all together. They're all one, but three in different. Like, you guys, God all by himself is in a relationship with himself. If no one's around God, there's at least three of them. Sup, 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 sup. Come on. That's how important relationship is. God himself is a relationship all by himself. Another way, you guys, when people do you dirty, when people do you wrong, when you know someone who is bad, horrible, the best thing you could actually do is be kind to them and love them because there's nothing more devastating to the darkness than snatching one of them out and bringing them into the light. Nothing more devastating to the kingdom of darkness than to say, oh, oh, okay, you did that to me. You did. I still love you. I still love you. I'm still praying for you. I'm still here for you. Holler at me, dude. What? What? You transform that person. You pull them out of the kingdom of darkness. You just weaken devil's army. <laughs> right? The Bible says by blessing someone who has hurt you, it's like leaping hot coals on their head. And a lot of us are like, ooh, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Burn their scalp. Burn their scalp. Okay, I'm going to be nice just to hurt them, though. And it's like, right? They're like missing the whole thing. Like, oh, I'll bless them just to spiritually hurt them. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. So in that culture, in the middle of the city, and the city went in a circle and it spiraled out like that in Israel. In the middle of the city, they would have these hot coals. And everybody would come get what they needed to go cook with. Okay? So if you lived on the outskirts... You get your coals, one, two, three, go. And you'd book it. Why? Because your coals would go out before you got home. But if somebody blessed you, they would grab hot coals from theirs and put it on your head to keep yours going. It's a blessing. God's telling you to bless people because by blessing people who have hurt you, you are really blessing them to the point of them repenting. Because it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It's not the bickering of their best friend. It's not the shaming of someone. It's always going to be the kindness of the Lord that leads them to repentance. And another way to show love to the unlovable. How many times do you guys walk past the most busted, disgusting human being ever? And you know they need help. And you make excuses like, well, I don't want to give them a dollar. They'll go buy drugs. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You, you want to make all these excuses or, oh, it's COVID season. 
Like, they probably got COVID-42 by now. <laughs> I ain't going near them, right? But let me tell you a story. My son and I were going to go meet my wife at a taco shop in Mexico. And as we're walking, she's already at the taco place. And him and I park on the side street. And we go walking. And we see the grimy. David, do you remember this? We see the grimiest dude. He's like this. <sighs> he's homeless. I mean, he's the dirtiest guy I've ever seen on earth. And I mean, he's missing teeth and he's growling. And he's slamming his head up against the wall. Bam, bam. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is going to be a problem. That's your initial thought. That's your fleshly thought. But then the spirit hits and I said, David, go with mommy. And I walk up to this guy and I don't say a word and he's growling and he's snarling. I just grab him and I just hug him. And I just start speaking Spanish to him. I'm like, ah, oh, guapito, te amo. Te amo, te amo, te amo, right? Just telling him I love him. I don't say nothing about Jesus. I don't say a prayer. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not even thinking. He's going to Mike Tyson my ear and just start. Like, <laughs> I'm not even thinking about that. I am literally, truly loving him. That's it. I just loved him. And all of a sudden, in the midst of it, he throws his arms out and looks up at the sky and goes, Padre! He knew it was from the Father. I didn't have to say a word about Jesus. Sometimes actions speak louder than words, right? Sometimes you could talk till you're blue in the face, but people need to be shown Jesus, right? People need to be shown Jesus. And the last thing that I'll end with is this. One of the best ways you can change your world and you could shame the devil and storm the gates of hell is what if I told you for a fact you were going to die tonight by 8? It was happening. For a fact, you're dead tonight by 8 p.m. No matter what, it's going down. You're going to die tonight at 8. Who would you call and what would you say? You just thought of someone. Who would you call and what would you say to them? Do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't leave anything left unsaid to those you love. I had a friend named TJ and I'll end with this story. I had a friend with my friend TJ. His dad was on his deathbed. And TJ called me and he said, can you come pray? Can you just come help my family? Can you just show up at the hospital? And I showed up at the hospital And his dad was on his deathbed and I stood there with TJ and I stood there with his dad and I said, TJ, I want you to say everything you've ever wanted to say to your father. Say it now. And he went off and he left no words left unsaid. He said, I am so sorry. I love you. I I, I will always love you. I honor you. He went through it all. And I looked at his dad and I said, now look at TJ and tell TJ everything you've ever wanted to tell him as your son. And he said everything he's ever wanted to say. And then they forgave each other and then we all prayed. There is power in words. And you may think a relationship is burnt to the ground. But the right words can change anything. You guys, if you receive this word, go ahead and bow your heads. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you've given us the ability, the tools 
and the boldness to storm the gates of hell and transform this city. To band together and unite each other. To begin to shift our hearts, shift our spirits and get in the game. To get involved with everything you are trying to do here on this earth. I pray that these people can continue to be uncomfortable, Lord. That they look for situations to be uncomfortable. That they grow in fellowship. That they grow in each other. That they grow in mercy and forgiveness, Lord. And we just say thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jake. Thank you. There are perhaps a handful of you in here today that need to take that step of faith and become a Christian today. You, Jake was speaking in that moment where he talked about that whole idea of what it means to say yes to Christ. Something in your heart and soul was going and you may not be in a prison like in a max security thing where he was, but your life is in bondage, in prison. And today's the day to be free. I'm inviting you today on to, to just take that step of faith. And you go, well, I don't know what to do here. I'm glad you asked. Back of the room today is some people on our prayer team, people that will talk to you about that. Some churches do things where people kind of walk forward and come forward and have an altar call. That doesn't work here because it's too noisy here. We couldn't talk to you. The back, it's a little quieter. So if you have questions about faith and come into Christ today, just get up and do that. On that connection card that they, that Grant talked to you about, there's a little place to check off there. We'll, we'll call you and talk to you about that if that is however you want to do that today. And then, hmm. I know the stories of a lot of you here and know that you're in places where everything in your soul wants to keep asking why, why, why? And it's a normal question. It's the normal response to this. What if Jesus wants to take you not around that problem, but walk with you right through the hottest, nastiest part of it where you come out the other side and go, I don't want to do that again. But what that did for me changed my life. If you have stuff going on in your heart and soul and mind like that today, our prayer team's also at the back there. They would love to talk to you about that and just pray for you and help you figure out what that means for you today. Then we're going to sing today. And we're not going to sing. We're going to raise the roof off the joint. We're going to raise the roof off the joint. Which means when it talks about that we clap and that we dance, that we'd be okay to clap and dance a little bit. Now, you may run, run around in a little place like crazy. You might want to dance like I dance, which is kind of... But just do something. You know, let your body and face know that, that you're excited about this. That'd be awesome today. We're going to give you a chance to come to tables of communion in the four corners of the room. It's bread and juice that symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus. And no matter where you're at, not Christian yet, about to become a Christian, been a Christian for a while. In the midst of the nastiness, it's like what Jake said, you hold on to the feet of Jesus. And every week we give you a chance to do that here to remember what Jesus did for you, where it says he embraced the cross, didn't run from it. He was, didn't want to do it, but he embraced it because of the joy. You know what the joy was before him to honor his father and all of us out here 
Billions of people become Christians, become followers of Christ, rescued from slavery, brought back into his kingdom. So we're going to sing, we're going to pray, we're going to celebrate. Let's go. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.